Welcome to the Tideline Talks podcast, where we discuss all things related to sports medicine, health and wellness. We dispel common myths and misconceptions regarding healthcare, and we do it in a way that's easy to understand. It's hosted by yours truly, Dr. Michael Scalfani, founder of Tideline Sports Performance and Rehabilitation. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Tideline Talks podcast. So this is your host, Dr. Michael Silfani, and I'm joined today by Bryce Johnson, who is the owner of Asgard Training Center, and his nickname is Thor. Uh, so I'm sitting across a real-life Viking, which is great. And uh, thanks, Bryce, for coming aboard and uh, taking time out of your day to join us on the podcast. So tell us a little bit, Bryce, about your own personal fitness journey and how you got started. What's the origin story behind Thor? Well, the, um, those are two different origin stories. The, uh, my, <laughs> and thanks for, thanks for having me, Doc. Uh, the Thor origin story really begins senior in high school, which the summer would have been 2008. And uh, I transferred from Lakewood Ranch High School to Northport. And we had played each other the previous year in football. So when I transferred down, they go, oh, I think that's the guy that ran all up and down our field last year at homecoming. And they loved me and hated me at the same time. But they were glad you're on your side or our side. Um, and right away within the first 30 minutes of summer practice, they go, I think he looks like that that uh, cartoon character from the, the Marvel. And someone says, Hercules. And they go, no, no, not Hercules. Zeus. <laughs> no, not Zeus. It's another one. And, and then they started Googling, you know. Even in 2008, I'm old, I guess, but they, they still had Google back then. And they go, oh, no, no, Thor. That's the one. The yeah. guy summons thunder. And his dad is Odin. They go, oh, yeah. And then from day one of summer practice, I was Thor. Now, had the movie come out yet? With, no, the, uh, the if I recall, movie? the first Thor movie came out in 2010 or 11. So you preceded before Thor was like mainstream, even, yes. right? So Because then once all the Marvel movies started coming out, uh-huh. everything became mainstream comics. So you were you were an OG then. You were, <laughs> you were before the time. Yeah. So you're a trendsetter now. There, so. there was one kid on that team that was a comic book geek that knew it from the comics, but the movie universe hadn't existed. That's the only movie cool. that came out was Iron Man, I think. Okay. okay. And there was no mention of Thor and Iron Man. Yeah. So... <laughs> well, cause that's awesome. That's yeah. a really cool. That's a really cool Since nickname. The Thor though. origin story. Yeah. There you go. Uh, well, tell us about your personal fitness journey. So, um, so you're from from this area originally, correct? Grew up in. Was born in Coffeyville, Kansas, that's which right. is about 45 minutes from Joplin, Missouri. So two towns that nobody knows. Anything. Yeah, Joplin's known for a huge tornado that took it off the map a couple of years ago. Okay, that's kind of what they're known for, and it's around the border of um, Oklahoma, also. Okay. So Southeast Kansas, okay. kind of where Kansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma come together. And at three years old, the family moved to Kansas City, and I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, and didn't move to Florida until I graduated middle school. So I was freshman in high school when the family moved down to Florida. Okay. And that was because my older brother was in college and played baseball at what is now SCF here in town. And you moved from uh, from Kansas. You moved to what part of Florida? This golf side as well. Yeah, moved to lived out in Maca City. Okay, moved down. Gotcha. And a little shanty home out there. <laughs> so is that how you? So you started at Lakewood Ranch High. You said, and then yes. transferred to Northport High, and then uh, what you do for college? 
college as a freshman. So I, I had opportunities coming out of college. There was even a Red Sox scout and a twin scout that were following me in baseball. And uh, the Red Sox scout got me in conversation with Lynn University in Boca Raton. And all summer I'm talking to their coaches. They had a limited basis. You can only talk to a recruit once a week. So once a week I check in, hey, coach. He's like, we're still on board. We're trying to build you a scholarship plan. And a month out from the first semester of fall class, he said, it fell through. Our backup catcher got injured towards the ACL or something. I forget. So we have to find a new catcher. We can't be going with one catcher on the roster. You were going to be the fourth outfielder, but we have a more dire need at catcher. So no dice. Yeah. So I went, crap. So then went to Florida Tech and talked to them. They built up a scholarship plan, but at the same time I was talking to Santa Fe in Gainesville. And Santa Fe took me on first, and then a week later uh, Florida Tech offered a full ride. And in hindsight, the better move would have been a full ride to Florida Tech. You know, it was a $50,000 a year scholarship. Could have played baseball. Tim Wakefield went to Florida Tech. Okay. The knuckleballer. Probably the most historic name that ever played there. But, uh. Didn't go to Florida Tech, ended up going to Santa Fe for a year, played baseball. And by the end of that season, I was like, you know, I'm ready to play football again. <laughs> this, is, this whole not weight training thing and not running through people thing isn't for me. Yeah, college baseball contact. was fun, the competition of it, but the sport just didn't suit my body at that point in time. Because yeah. I was, my body was being held back, wanted to develop and get stronger and bigger. So put out tape at the end of my freshman year. And as a sophomore, I got a scholarship to play junior college football. Awesome. Awesome. Which and is a pretty rare like? situation. Usually, by the time you're already in college, you're not getting recruited by another college. But I had good enough high school film that was fresh. And they looked at me, and I looked the part, and they go, all right, we'll give you a shot. And that was, believe it or not, at Coffeyville Community College. Wow. Same city I was born in. Okay. Which is how we knew of those schools up there. And was there for a year. Injured the a ligament in my foot last practice of the spring, and that was it for Coffeeville. <laughs> oh, can we can we chat about that that injury to your foot? Because yeah. it, it was such a when you were telling me about it earlier, it's such a rare injury. So mm-hmm. um, I'll I'll let you explain it and I'll hop in. Uh, tell us about tell us about the play and tell us about how you injured it first. Yeah, it was I was a running back, so it was a um, on an off tackle run to the right. I broke into the open field, was gone, but the uh, a free safety who was actually a D1 dropout from University of Florida, a guy that ran like a 4-2-40, he got an angle, caught me, clipped my legs as I'm about to go to the end zone, and I do a full somersault in the air, and I don't know, I might have gotten six feet of air, air time, and then landed on field turf, which is that hard artificial surface we had in pra- our practice field, and as soon as I landed, it was like I hit asphalt and just felt the shock all at my leg and I knew that the foot was not in great shape but I I made it back to the huddle and they go all right Johnston good run all right we're on a roll here <laughs> and then call my number again and I said coach my foot's kind of jacked can I get a playoff and he goes no it's your ball let's see what you got and they hiked the ball and I took one step and it, the plant foot just totally gave out and I literally face play in the backfield Wow. And have a coach up my throat saying, what the bleep bleep are you doing? You can't even run. You can't even keep your feet. And I said, coach, I have an injured foot. 
And I sat there for a while until a trainer came out and said, hey, we got to get you off the field. And was helped off the field, and that was the last practice I had. <laughs> yeah. God, that's tough. So the injury that you ended up having was something called a Liz Frank injury. Mm-hmm. And so the Liz Frank is a, is a joint that kind of forms along the big toe and the rest of the toes as well. And the most notorious Liz Frank injury is between your big toe and your second toe. There's a small ligament that provides you support for towing off when you run or walk uh, or jump. And so you ended up getting an MRI, which mm-hmm. showed that the ligament was partially torn or fully torn. Is it a partial tear? They or? said there was about a hair thickness of tissue left. Okay, so it's they, pretty much gone. The woman said, if you step off a curb wrong, it's gone. Like, we don't know how it stayed attached this long. Because it was a month. I didn't get an MRI till a month following the injury. And yeah. I was walking around in my lifting shoes because they're flat on the bottom. Mm. Going to the store, I squatted 500 pounds for reps about two weeks later <laughs> in the gym. So put that kind of weight on it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Usually a Liz Frank injury is accompanied by some bruising and mild swelling yeah. in that web space between uh-huh. your big toe and your second toe. Once you see this little V-style bruising right there, mm-hmm. that sort of uh, tips your your eye clinically for a Liz Frank injury to get that checked out. But if you didn't have any of that and it, you were obviously tough as nails, so you were able to kind of try to try to walk it off mm-hmm. literally, and uh, and then it was still bugging you after about a month. Yeah, couldn't couldn't run, couldn't jog, couldn't do a toe raise. Mm-hmm. I could only walk flat footed, and knew that there was something not right, um, but wasn't able to get an MRI through the team doctor. I couldn't do that till we returned to Florida. Okay. So once the spring school semester ended, it might have been June, then came to Florida and immediately got an MRI. Sarasota Orthopedic, and they said, I got an MRI on a Friday, and I got called Saturday morning. The woman said, I don't usually do this. I'm out to brunch right now, but we got you scheduled Monday. You need to get the thing repaired. Wow. So we can't waste any time. It's going to rupture, and if it does, then that displacement goes from whatever it was, fraction of a centimeter to two centimeters displacement. Your big toe is going to just flop off. Yeah, well, and it, yeah, it's, it's almost think about that ligament. Uh, for those who don't aren't familiar with Lewis Frank, it's almost kind of like uh, a small ACL inside of your big toe. And a lot of times, people when they have this injury, they're like, "Well, what's the big deal with the big toe?" Until you experience a big toe injury, you don't realize how much you need that that big toe to help you push off when you, especially when you run and sprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, you make any cutting or side to side movements, but you were running back, so you clearly need to do that. So then you ended up having surgery. Um, and did they? What did they do for the Liz Frank ligament? Did they put a screw in, or what did they end up doing operatively? They they put a screw on on both ends of the the original ligament, and then put a bridge between them. Essentially, put a synthetic Liz Frank in its place. Perfect. And he said, "We're going to leave that in there for life. Don't need to go back and take it out." It's going to keep them where we need it, and then the original tissue will also build back uh, and form that, bridge that gap. He said it'll be stronger than ever. You may, but I've had ghost pains in there when I'm doing calf raises or jogging or something. He says, for life, you're going to have some weird arthritis and ghost pains in that foot. Yeah. But it should be virtually bulletproof at this point. And how did you, after you recovered <laughs> from that, how did you, did you go back to playing football? And what happened yeah. next? Three, so three months after that semester at uh, Coffeeville, I actually gave a call to Independence Community College, another community college in the same uh, conference, 
and said, hey, I'm going to transfer from Coffeeville, and I'd like to play for you guys. And I've been injured, but I'll be recovered by the time fall semester starts. And they're like, all right, we'll give you a shot. If Coffeeville thought you were good enough, then Independence will take you. Because Independence was kind of at the bottom of the conference. Coffeeville was like the, they were the New England Patriots of that conference. They're always winning. <laughs> so I had to I had to kind of go down a few rungs. I said, the, these guys won't take me, but these guys might now. And all summer, did everything I could to recuperate. Got my 40-yard dash back in a low 4-5 kind of time with a bum foot. And my dad would usually would use a camera and literally count the frames in the camera to determine my 40 times. No way. So we would we'd get it down to the 30th of a second, 30 frames a second, and accuracy on how quick I was running. So, all right, you're ready. So I go back to Independence, and it was, they were doing three days, which is, <laughs> they've outlawed two a days, forget three a days, three a days in the summer in Kansas was hot. Oh, so was, what was, what was the third practice then? So it was uh, a morning, afternoon, and then like a late, late afternoon, evening? They would do condition, if I recall, it was conditioning, no, weights in the morning, um, scrimmage and seven on seven in the early afternoon, and then conditioning in the evening. So the evening practice was the cool part of the day, still 85, 90. And we do an hour of conditioning, you know. And I I probably would have been fine had we ju- had I been able to call the shots and say, hey, I'm going to have to not do all the running. <laughs> but that's not how you play on a football. You know, no. They're old school. They're not going to go, well, you get an exception. So I was doing all the running these other guys were doing on a foot that had just recovered from that injury. And it went from no swelling, being healed, feeling great, to the thing swelling up where I couldn't hardly get back in my shoe. Oh, no. Just from just the repetitive. It was three months, yeah. six months usually for soft tissue to be like, oh, you're good to go. But uh, I, I, would, I learned some taping techniques. And I had all these things, and I was able to make it through that practice. And then from my funny gait, from running on that foot a little off, I ended up pulling my hip flexor. Oh no. And and it just the whole body just was breaking down. And it was we were the practice field was a hard clay. So again, like running on concrete again. And that shock to the foot and the whole body. And then I got pink eye while I was there. <laughs> just the craziest thing. And that set me back. It was like it wasn't meant to be. It was yeah. all these little hang ups. And Eventually, I had to drop classes and drop, and I said, all right, sorry, Independence, it's been fun, but I'm going to go recover for a year, and I'm going to try this again a year from now. Yeah, and did you make it back? Uh, well, my eligibility for JUCO ran out, so when I left, whatever year that was now, 20, I think fall of uh, 2010, I left there, and uh, I didn't return to school until fall of 2011. Okay. Where I went to Georgia Southern. Okay. And you played ball there? Yes. Well, spring of 2011, I took classes at Hillsborough Community College okay. to maintain my eligibility and my GPA. Mm-hmm. And then fall of 2011, I was 100%. I'd been doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to get the foot healthy. I'd been sprinting like crazy. I was full year recovered. And by fall of 2012, at Georgia Southern, I walked on, ran a 4 4 weighing 220. Ooh. Was the fastest guy in the tryout, and they're like, "Yeah, we want you." Like, they took six of us, and there are about a hundred that tried out at Georgia Southern. Wow! I mean, the Georgia Southern tryouts like going to an Alabama tryout. Half the school student body comes out 
and all summer I saw these kids in the in the gym, the rec center, that were some big looking guys ripped up, like, yeah, I'm going to play football at Georgia Southern. I'm going D one, you know. Yeah. I was like, hey, I'm doing that too. <laughs> and they just like, yeah, who are you? And then and then when that day came, they saw me run. Then they went, oh, that's that guy I've been seeing at the gym this whole time. Yeah. And you, you played back as running back, or did you play a different position? I walked on as a linebacker. Linebacker. Georgia Southern. Okay. They had, they run a triple option. I think they still do. So they had 17 running backs on the roster. <laughs> and they had uh, four linebackers. And I just, I looked at the roster, and I just played the odds. I'm like, do I want to face the 17 running back gauntlet and get cut or say, Hey, I'm a linebacker, you know, and play the odds. And that's, like, we could use an extra linebacker. So we'll take you. Sure. You know, How not knowing I'd be a scout team. Like, yeah. So I played scout team for the, the year that I was there and, uh, it was fun. I got to bang heads and got shouted down a few times for banging too many heads. <laughs> <laughs> But I got to compete against Jarrett McKinnon, J.J. Wilcox, uh, Darius Eubanks, big boys. And Brent Russell that played for the Bears. His nickname was Man Bear Pig. And oh, yeah? If you walk through this door, you'd have to take the door off the hinges to get him through. He's just a monster. Oh, God. And and I competed with all those guys. Yeah. You so know? then where'd you go from Georgia Southern? Did you come back to, to Florida then? Yeah. The end of Georgia Southern would have been the end of my junior year of eligibility. Uh so I could have returned as a senior, but my, uh, unfortunately, my f- spring semester, Georgia Southern, elig- my GPA wasn't great. It wasn't ineligible. It wasn't great. And the coach is like, you're going to have to try out again in the fall. Oh, no. I said, what? And he said, yeah. He says, you, well, I want you to focus on classes over the summer. And and I was just kind of over it. I bounced around so many places, and I was kind of just sick of Dealing with the football thing, coaches, sure, not sure. being able to tackle people the way I wanted and all that. So, <laughs> so I was like, I'll go back home and uh, see if I can use this uh, 80% of a bachelor's degree to my benefit. Yeah. And <laughs> so I still don't have a bachelor's. I have 120 plus credit hours in oh, college. So close. And officially was never even granted an associate's degree. Really? Um. I mean, I got A's and I didn't even have to show up to class to, to ace through anatomy and and physics and bi- microbiology and all these courses. But it's the little ones that didn't add up to plug in the, the bachelor's. So sure, kind of a bummer. But no, when I got back, I about six months after returning, I did a strongman competition. Did you and really? And then I uh, got a job at GNC. Okay. And within a few months at GNC, I became a manager. And was a GNC manager for three years. Nice. And that was actually not a bad gig. Mm-hmm. Learned quite a bit doing that. Oh, sure. Probably, actually probably learned more in the three years at GNC to, for what I'm interested in than I did in my three or four years of college. Sure, sure. <laughs> so how did, uh, tell us about how Asgard Training Center came to be then. So how did, because um, your gym is very, it's very unique mm-hmm. compared to a lot of the other gyms in this area. So um, it's got a lot of really great equipment. It's got a lot of unique equipment as well. So tell us a little bit about how how the the training center idea even came about. Yeah, so it technically goes back to the early 80s where my parents back in Coffeyville owned a gym. They called it Ironworks. And they actually had the entire line of Nautilus equipment from the guy that is 
person we know as Papa John. Like Papa John, the owner of Pizza Hut at the time, <laughs> uh, had uh, had a residence in Manhattan, Kansas, and my dad saw it in some classifieds and said, "Hey, we got we've got some Nautilus equipment up here." And they went and bought all of his Nautilus equipment out of his basement of his gym, of his home actually. And so that's how far back some of the equipment selection goes. Tell us a little bit about, so not everybody's familiar with, with Nautilus. If you haven't been in the, the sports medicine or the, the sports physiology world, may not even be familiar with what makes Nautilus equipment so unique mm-hmm. from uh, another you know cable suspension system or another piece of equipment that you might find in a commercial gym. Can you explain a little bit more about what makes mm-hmm. Nautilus so unique? Yeah, so we do have several pieces of Nautilus. The vintage Nautilus equipment at Asgard Training Center and... Arthur Jones, who was kind of like a Howard Hughes type, this just real eccentric multimillionaire that was also very, very bright and an engineering uh, background. He somehow, that guy, all about engineering, got into uh, physique and bodybuilding in the 70s or late 60s. His, His goes back as far as the 60s. And he understood that the muscles, all the muscles of the body work in an arc. And uh, we think of things linearly in a straight line. You bench press, straight line, you power lift, it's all everything A to B. But when you develop a muscle, the muscles contract the body in various arcing ranges of motion. So he thought, why don't I design machines that match or counteract that arcing range? And he came up through a number of designs. He finally came up with a Nautilus shell, which is what they call a cam. And it literally looks like the shell of a Nautilus um, you know, shellfish. And you'll see the cam, the degree of the, the cam changes at various points in that, in that arc. And he attached chains to it. And when you, when you do a curl, for example, at the bottom, it's a very gentle arc. At the top, it becomes a very extreme arc. It changes the degree of the radius. And then you actually put more pressure on the bicep or tension. So it's an early cam design that, and it works for all of his machines, where you have a perfect tension on the muscle at all times and a constant tension versus a free weight, the tension only acts against gravity. A cable is consistent. There is no cam. It only acts against a pulley. So it's a one-to-one, a two-to-one, and it's a a non-varying tension. And it's the kind of thing that really has to be utilized to be... um, to be appreciated mm-hmm. and the pump you get, the soreness you get, the smoothness of the motion is beyond anything you've ever used. Yeah. And I think that's what, that's one of the, that's such a great vintage old school bodybuilding, powerlifting type of equipment. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool that it still exists here around us yes. at Asgard training center. Uh-huh. So that's such a, such a unique piece of equipment. And it's only just one little bit of what makes Asgard training center. Sure. Unique. Tell us a little bit more about, about what, what goes on in Asgard training center and what else you guys have. Yeah. So it, I mean, really Asgard began in my back lanai in high school. Um, you go back to my parents' gym in the eighties. That's where he said, my dad said, Hey, I want to own a gym at some point in my life. And then come high school, we started collecting equipment again. And then when I came out of Georgia Southern, then we thought maybe sometime down the line we'll have a gym. You know, I've thought of this since the 80s. And like maybe you could be in charge. Maybe we'll do it in Kansas City. All these ideas bounced around. So we started collecting things. And, 
yeah, it's commenced now with Asgard. You have the Nautilus equipment. You have uh, brands like Nebula, Body Masters, and um, I have some Rogue Fitness equipment. I have a Rogue Fitness power rack that I bought in 2019. And it it really reached its peak just prior to 2020. Not knowing what 2020 had in store for us, we said, all right, new year. This is the year that we're going to go public with everything. I'd been training people out of one of the buildings on the property. And uh, so we're going to build a second building and then move all of the equipment down from my brother's house in Kansas City where we've been storing some surplus. And it was quite an undertaking. So I had, you know, builders come on the property, put us 1800 square foot building. And uh, my parents took a trip to Kansas City, took a giant U-Haul and took all this equipment down from Kansas City and got it all on the property, put it in. Come 2020, I had my first couple members. I had like nice. a deadlift party last day of 2019 <laughs> and two buddies, one of which is actually a local gym owner here, um, another gym owner. They came and worked out and they were my first two members. And then I was kind of bumping along with two, three members and then I had like six or eight clients and then come late February, then this COVID thing came around and by the time COVID reached its peak uh, or reached its point where the governor DeSantis said, Hey, we're doing a quarantine gyms are shut off in 24 hours. It was like the annual purge, you know, oh, yeah. no one gets to work out again. And everybody was upset about that. And they're calling me going, Hey man, don't you have a gym? Because Asgard at that point in time wasn't the way it is today. People didn't, weren't as aware. Mm-hmm. They go, what? You have a gym, right? I go, yeah, I have a gym. It's like, can I, are you going to stay open? Is it, what's, they want all these questions. I said, yeah, we're just not going to publicize this because I don't want it to get out of hand. But I'm opening and I plan on doing business this year. And that first day that I was open, I had like 20 people oh, wow. pulling in. And I'd never seen 20 people at once at the property. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be something. And week two, it was like 30 more people. And it just, they just kept coming. Yeah. And it, it was, I could have made a movie after it. It was just wild. <laughs> I wish I would have documented it with video. And by the, by the end of that quarantine, I had 50 members that were paid up, you know, hundred a month members. And I'm like, this is great. I'm going to be able to put a down payment on my house. Now they were buying. And, uh, and I, I took measures. I had a, sanitary stations every 10 feet and i was like hey guys if you're sneezing coughing stay home you know take care of each other but we don't have to be crazy it's a private thing we got the wind blowing we got the fans sure and that was the year it all started it was just like a whirlwind because there's so many new new faces and i'm learning how to kind of take money and starting actually a run a business yeah but it happened like going the deep end it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's different, right? Because there's there's the craft that you're good at, mm-hmm. right? Training and and things like that. But then the business side of things, it, that's that I feel like takes so much more work, right? Because now <laughs> now you're you're in kind of uh, uncomfortable or new territory, mm-hmm. right? And it's sort of you know how do I market? How do I create a business? How do I structure a business? How do I pay myself? How do I cover whatever expenses I have for the business? How does how do taxes work, right, oh, and yeah. for the business? I mean, it's a whole other world. So now, uh, what what does your membership look like now as we sit here in 2022? So I'm I'm sitting at like the 35 to 40 number now. Nice. And that's members. And then you have also, I have punch cards, which is something I do that's kind of unique. 
knowing that I have a unique facility and it's for some folks, it's kind of out of their, their normal driving distance, you know, whereas commercial gym might be five minutes, I'm going to be 10 or 15. So they're like, man, I don't know if it's, I can make that every day. So I have a, a five and a 10 punch card and you can pay a discounted day pass essentially to buy X number of passes in advance and you can, I check them when you come in. Perfect. And it's been great. I had a 20 pass for a while and uh, that kind of became a long, a stretched out membership for some people. So I said, we'll do it with the 20. We got the five and the 10. Perfect. And uh, still do day pass and membership. But I've, I got a whole, uh, per, whole book, basically a Rolodex full of these uh, punch passes. So, and I have them alphabetized by the person's first name, which helps me remember people's name. Right. You know, so I'm like, hey, Mike, yeah, we got you. You know, here's your five pass. Checked you off. Okay, let's go. There you go. And it's it's a cool way to do things. Tell us about some of the styles of training that people do at Asgard because it's uh, it's unique. It's a little bit more unique, like mm-hmm. I said, than going to a commercial gym. So uh, what style and uh, what kind of things are people doing when they work out at Asgard? Yeah, the... The most unique, you could say, would be the strongman training. So I have a lot of this bodybuilding equipment, which for my methodology is part and parcel to any any training, whether you're a strongman, uh, a sport athlete, or powerlifting. I think that doing these isolated movements does help to develop the body and fill in all the gaps. Um, so I have that, but we also have a probably the widest collection of strongman equipment, definitely in the area. And maybe in uh, a wider area, you know, everything, log, farmer handles, have a fingles finger that we need to get up and running. That's a whole other thing. I didn't uh, know they still had that. A telephone pole that you flip hand over hand. Uh, you know, giant tires, Atlas stones, everything from a 95 to a 360 pound Atlas stone. And I mean, it's endless. They're, the strongman equipment's like, oh, we got this, 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 this. And I have all these little grip implements. But the main things you'll see doing done in Asgard are the strongman training, and there's local guys that compete in strongman, one of which placed fourth at Florida Strongest Man last year. Wow. And he was just one mistake away from being a half point into second place. Oh. So uh, he's, he's a guy that's going to do some damage this year. But um, strongman number one, there's competitive bodybuilders. You know, there's a place in Tampa called MI40 where guys up that way will exercise. It's a different vibe there, though. It's more of a working out in a library kind of vibe, whereas mine's like working out in a in a prison yard vibe. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, it, it's gritty, you know. I mean, I've heard a lot of better term. It's just it's just gritty, yeah. and it's just like it's gritty, old school, like just a very unique environment. And I think that's what a lot of people like about yeah. the training center. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're not getting people that are constantly you know, bugging them or anything like that mm-hmm. either. They can, they can come in, they can work out with a couple people, but you know, for the most part, they have a lot of uh, freedoms inside the gym too. Yes. Yeah. I, I've purposely not put a sign anywhere that tells you what to do or what not to do. Mm-hmm. There's not a, I don't have to tell people to put away their weights. And I think putting a sign up that says, put away your weights or wash your hands or, or pick up the weights off the floor or whatever. I think that just that takes me personally out of the element. You get into a zone. I was an athlete my whole life. So you get into the zone. You played rugby. When you get on that rugby field, you're in a whole different zone from what you were off the field. Otherwise, you'd be in prison. Right. You'd be in the slammer for what you do on that field. When you step foot into Asgard Train Center, you step into that zone 
And once you have said, hey, Thor, what's up? And you say hi to your buddies, then you get your workout. I don't want anything to take you out of that zone. I want you to be able to just put your head down and work. That's and a, a sign, a four by six that says, whatever, wash your hands, put your mask on. That, to me, kills that whole vibe. So I don't do that. We're all adults. You know, I, yeah, I, I assume that people are going to respect myself and the environment and each other. And I don't generally have to have conversations with people about that kind of stuff. Sure. So uh, the bodybuilders that come out, they're not the cute, let's get a pump bodybuilders. These are usually the guys that, are, that want to grit and want to work and got have to have a puke bucket beside them after the set. Yeah. You know, and I'm not, a, I'm not, I literally have a bucket that's got a guy leaning over a toilet. It's like, this is where you, if you got to do that, <laughs> it's a funny bucket. It's kind of a. This is your amesis receptacle. Yeah. <laughs> it's just me being funny, but it's been utilized a couple times. Yeah. Um, but I'm not afraid to acknowledge the reality of physical exercise, which is it's brutal. And if it's done right, it's not comfortable. But the reward is great. Uh, the standard exercise you see in an air-conditioned gym, where people aren't even breaking a sweat, that's not how you get a body that's above average, mm-hmm. short of performance enhancement. And I, you know, I don't condone that either. It's, it's done, but it's a whole other topic sure. for another time. You know. Well, what is your what's your training look like? Because uh, I know you you kind of dabbled you've dabbled in strongman, mm-hmm. you've dabbled in a couple other training methodologies, and now what what are you currently training, and what what's it like uh, for you in the gym right now? Yeah, at the exact moment I'm preparing for a bodybuilding show, and uh, the first bodybuilding show I did was 2015. So I left college in 2000. I have to do the math. It was around 2013, I guess it was. And, uh, so two, about two years after I left college, I had a couple of buddy in town that had competed at the Southern States and he'd competed, he placed third in the country a couple of times. He actually was runner up to another local guy, Cody Montgomery at the, uh, Pittsburgh. And this guy was like, man, you need to go bodybuilding. You're doing the strongman crap and you're doing, you're, you have a great physique. And he finally kind of encouraged me to do a bodybuilding show. And I prepped myself in 2015, got on stage and competed up in Atlanta at a show. And I placed third out of three. But <laughs> I looked apart. I didn't look like I didn't belong up there. Okay. The and and I was happy about that. And then a year and a half later, I competed again. That time I placed fourth, but against a stronger lineup. Again, coach myself was light years ahead of my first physique. And then I took two years off and then competed again in 2018. And that's the last time I was on stage. Did you like it? Do you, do you like bodybuilding? Cause it's such a different, uh, you know, you look at powerlifting strongman and then you look at bodybuilding and you know, strongman and powerlifting, it doesn't matter what you look like. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of doing the work, sure. right? Bodybuilding, nobody cares if you can, you know, deadlift <laughs> 600 pounds, right? It's more about, do you got the nice Christmas tree? How do your yeah. lats look? Are you proportionate? You know, there's so many different things that go into bodybuilding that's so unique out of the other styles of training mm-hmm. that you've done. So do you like that style? Do you like that that uh, mission and that mindset that goes with bodybuilding? Or do you prefer more of the strongman powerlifting? Well, I go through phases okay. because... Again, playing football, I, I got to get that physical, uh, kind of aggressive itch from time to time. And the strongman does that. Uh, powerlifting, less so. Powerlifting is a little more cerebral. People are familiar with powerlifting. It's you have one job, you do it, move point A, a to B, and that's it. 
and I've done like 10 powerlifting meets, but it doesn't really excite me the same way strongman. It's just so such a display and it's so physical. It's a lot of athleticism involved. Yeah. And it's mind over matter. You got to flip a thousand pound tire or something. It's like, that doesn't even seem humanly possible, but you find a way you get in a position, you do it. And any, any way you can get the weight over it counts. There is no hitch and strongman. You just move the weight. Uh, so I, I like that aspect of the strength sport bodybuilding. It really shows your discipline for the diet. The discipline in every single set, every single repetition matters. There is no accessory work in bodybuilding. It's all accessory. Whereas powerlifting, you do bench squat, deadlift, a curl, or an overhead press. That's an accessory, and you you see guys just kind of go through the motions. But you don't have that luxury in bodybuilding to go through the motions on a shoulder press. When in 12 weeks, you have to show a judge your bare shoulder, and you have to show them the striation. So every rep, you have to be really keyed in on what's happening and so it's it's a real mental battle whereas the others are more of a physical battle particularly strongman and uh so i i like both and actually i i think i've developed pretty unique musculature from doing the strength sports and then returning to bodybuilding particularly the posterior chain you know we've worked on my back a little bit uh (laughs) Usually bodybuilders don't have real thick muscles in certain areas that a strength athlete would have. They're more, they look kind of like a, a an art piece mm-hmm. that should be on display versus like a, something, a guy that looks like, well, that guy could probably bulldoze right through you. I like to have both, to, to look like I could actually physically do something and then to have a build that's uh, gets thumbs up from a judge. Right. Um, it's just fun to me, but yeah, the bodybuilding, I, interestingly, bodybuilding is the easiest of the three also, because the mental side, I have full control over my mental side. That's just a matter of mind over matter. I've always figured if it's, if I can, you know, internalize it, I can, I can achieve it. Whereas strongman or powerlifting, you might show up on a day and physically your body says, F you, man, we're not, we're not going to do this. You don't feel like just because uh, it's on paper, you got to do a 600 pound deadlift doesn't mean you're going to do it the body you didn't eat right or you didn't do this or this it's it's weird and and it's none of those things unless you're involved in those sports regularly you don't those kind of nuance doesn't make a lot of sense to an outsider mm-hmm. you just see a guy throwing weights around and you go oh he's a bodybuilder it's right. like no that's actually not a bodybuilder that's a such and such right it's like well i don't see the difference this is guy slinging weights around you know, <laughs> well, what's so cool is that your, your gym is so welcoming to, to all types of training, yeah. right? So, um, you know, when, when somebody goes on and they look at, uh, pictures of your, of your training center at Asgard mm-hmm. and they look at, um, some of the equipment that you have, it could be potentially intimidating for somebody, right? Because, uh, you know, they're, they're looking at that. They're like, this is a really hardcore gritty gym. Mm-hmm. What would you say to somebody who is feeling a little intimidated or wondering whether or not they're a good fit for your gym or something like that? Sure. Well, I, as I tell my oldest client woman, two grandchildren, she's 64. And, uh, when she first came in, she's like, looks around and goes, I don't know if I belong here. And I go, it's like, what do you mean? What do you mean don't belong here? Like, what, what, what'd you need? Did you, were you lost or did you want to, she ended up being a client of mine. I've been training for several months, but, um, I told her and some others that it's, it's all in the mind. It's, I, I'm not judging your physical skills here. 
you know, we're all trying to build physical skills, but if you have the mindset of, hey, I want to go to battle against the weights and I want to just get better every day, then you have the mind of someone that can train at Asgard Train Center. If if you don't if you don't have a motivate if you don't have a a will to get better and you just cool with the status quo, then you can go wherever else and and that's fine. But I, I just want people that are driven, regardless of if they're a ninety pound, you know, bikini competitor or, or just a just a girl or a guy that is just not physically gifted in that department. You know, hey man, I was a violinist my whole life, but uh, I just want to put on some muscle. I, I want to look a little better, you know, have better luck in the dating pool. It's like, let's go, you know. You're you're a great violinist. You put that same, you know, uh, work ethic to this. And I've had all types. And it's another thing that once you step foot in and you actually go through an exercise, you see Andy, the guy that was fourth in the Florida's Strongest Man. He's about as wide as a refrigerator. <laughs> he's the coolest guy ever. And you come around and say, Hey, what's up, man? I'm Andy. And he'll come introduce himself. That's and awesome. you're like, why is this giant guy saying hi? Why does he care about me? But that's that's the way I encourage everyone to be that way. That community you is know? huge, you know, and I think that's what that's what makes some of those gyms like what you have so great is yeah. that you're not just a random lemming or somebody that's kind of bouncing from machine to machine mm-hmm. or checking yourself out in the mirror or things like that. Your your gym is made up of people that want to be there, people that are friendly to people that are there, and just people that just want to just put in work, you know, mm-hmm. just roll your sleeves up, get a little dirty, go to your dark space and just, you know, grind it out. So, yeah. And I think that is attributed too to just the name. Tell people a little bit about what Asgard is, right? For some people that may not be familiar with Norse mythology. Sure. Yeah, and Stan Lee picked it back up in the Marvel comics, which has done, I like to think has done a good thing for Norse, because really Norse mythology is a dead belief system, but it, it was a mythology. And uh, so Asgard is the one of the realms, and it's the realm, there's nine realms in Norse mythology. We live in Midgard, which is Earth. And then you have Asgard, which is the realm where the all the gods live. You have Sif, Freya, uh, Thor, Odin, and Loki, who kind of travels between them, um, Heimdall. And they're all in, in um, all those names that you see in the movies were all in actual Norse mythology as well, which is cool. Nefelheim, where the elves live. Svartalheim, I think that's another one. There's all these interesting uh, Scandinavian names. I actually have a, it's the biggest version. It's this giant map. It's a map of all the realms of Asgard. That's awesome. And it's like oh, six by four. It's huge. I had to get it laminated at a FedEx. The only place with a <laughs> lamination machine big enough to laminate it. And it's it's on the wall behind my squat rack. That's awesome. So anyone that's squatted a few times Asgard could probably tell you the realms of Asgard. Because they've read it. Oh, man. And it has all the... It's a really neat map. And I find myself looking at between sets. You know, most gyms have a mirror behind the squat rack. But when you compete, you don't get a mirror. No. So the last thing I want to do is stick a mirror on the squat wall. Right. Is, That's awesome. So yeah. Asgard is literally, the Asgard Training Center, your gym is literally where all the Norse gods get to go and yeah. they come to just get better, right? I, I like to think day. of it as once you turn off the road and you pull in, you've entered a new, a different realm altogether. You've left Earth. I like that. And now you've entered Asgard and you're here to compete with all the other gods. That's awesome. You know, and any, and then I have a, have a phrase it's on the back of our shirts, define your worth. I came up with, and it's basically anybody. And it's, you put the work ethic in, 
you're you can be worthy. It's not that people are unworthy. It's just like it's just a, it's a kind of a fun thing that I've come up with. No, that's awesome. It's very you empowering, know? right? Yeah. You want to get better, right? You're sure. moving. Where? What are you moving to? Right? Yeah. What's your goal? What's your end? What's your end game? Right. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. What's next for you guys? For you and and the Asgard Training Center? Anything? Anything coming up in the works? I know you mentioned your bodybuilding show, but yeah. what else you got going on? What well, it, it may be soon, but there's there will be an announcement coming from my uh, partner in this of a competition this fall. And it happened last year. It's called static monsters. It's a, it's actually a strongman competition. It only includes the max log lift and the max axle deadlift. Max was like a two inch thick bar, like basically deadlifting a Coke can size bar. It's impossible you know, to grip. Or it's very, yeah, difficult it's very to difficult grip. to grip. You are allowed straps, but even with straps, it comes out of your hands. It's insane. Um, the Static Monsters is an international competition, and any gym in the world can apply to become a Static Monsters host site. And last year, there's something like 1,200 people that competed in it nationwide or worldwide, That's including awesome. China, and there were people in Africa. And, like every continent except Antarctica had a Static Monsters competition last year. <laughs> uh, it'd be fun to see researchers in Antarctica lifting weights. But yeah, right. So but we, the we're weight? the only gym in Florida that did it last year. Oh, really? And What's the, the weight that you're putting on the axle deadlift? Just so that people kind of get an idea. Well, so last year I deadlifted 700 pounds on the axle bar. <laughs> <laughs> the The biggest lift performed at Asgard last year was 845 pounds. Oh, my God. And uh, Yeah. And there were actually two or three guys that did over 800 pounds. And That's crazy. I was really, I mean, 700 is the most weight I've ever had in my hands. So that was huge for me, you know. Um, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but this year, you, you want to be better. So I liked, the goal last year was a, for me was a 1,000-pound total. Okay. Meaning, which would have needed a 700-pound deadlift and a 300-pound log lift. But I just missed the 300-pound log lift. I ended with 275. So I ended with a 975 total. Oh. So I'd like to eclipse the 1,000-pound. What's crazy is there's guys out there doing a 1,000-pound deadlift. That's crazy. You know? That's that's insane. I mean, but so, that's just a testament to what kind of things happen at Asgard, right? Like yeah. People are putting in work. People are moving sure. serious weight. They're moving mountains. So yeah. that's awesome. Well, where can people find out a little bit more about about you and about Asgard Training Center if they if they uh, want to come check the place out? So the the best place to find me or Asgard, my uh, handle Instagram is Thor's Rage underscore, and the Asgard page is Asgard underscore ATC. And uh, also, my Google Maps is pretty well. What's great is it's everyone that's come to train at the gym is geotagged Asgard over the years. So if, when you look up Asgard Train Center's Google Map, you can scroll for 30 minutes and look at photos of guys training. You'll see some pro bodybuilders in there, some guys. Uh, there's a guy that just earned his pro card in classic physique last year that trained for a while. That Some shots of him in the gym. And... Uh, you can get a pretty good idea of the vibe and all just from seeing those photos, but on Instagram, Asgard underscore ATC, that's where I post the, the highlights. Mm. If, if Dr. Mike comes out and hits a PR squat, he's going to get a worthy highlight. Yes. You can bet your butt. But, uh, and then I post my own training primarily on my page. I like that. Yeah. Um, Cause your training is intense too. So guys, yeah, check it I'm out. I try not to scare folks, but the website's in the works too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. We'll put links to that in the, in the show notes for today. Sure. But, but Bryce, I really appreciate you coming out. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come chat with us and 
sharing your journey a little bit more about Asgard Training Center and what you guys have going on. So uh, thanks again, Bryce. We look forward to hearing from you. Appreciate Hey, real quick, before you go, I just want to say thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others by taking a screenshot of this episode and posting it to your story on Instagram and tagging at Tideline Sports Performance so we can repost it. And to stay up on all the latest from us, make sure you follow at Tideline Sports Performance on Instagram and Facebook. And of course, make sure you like and subscribe to this podcast. All right, guys, catch you next episode.